Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think, they're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about, and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics. All right, without further ado. So I was just talking about your uh, amazing guitar there with the cutaway. Are you doing um, solos up way on the top uh, frets there pretty often, or what does that look like? <laughs> well, I, I I try to use my guitar more as a songwriting and uh, performing tool and, um, you know, music production tool. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a generalist. I'm not too much of a specific guitar god or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> So nice to talk to you. Tell us about yourself. We'd love to hear what's your description. If if I came from Mars and really wanted to know what you were all about, what would your first sort of paragraph be to me? Well, you know, Kent, I would tell you, first of all, that um, all of us have to find a way to be profitably happy. I believe in something I call profitable happiness, because a lot of people are discouraged because they're concerned that finding their happiness pursuing their why or their purpose or whatever words you want to use to describe it doesn't always lead to business profit. And I think perhaps the the most successful people in the world are those who figured out to create more time in their lives because the things they love to do are also the things that produce their livelihood. And so um, I would say, come learn about this thing called profitable happiness. It's a fun thing. Yeah, that's up Randy's alley. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the ball to, <laughs> he's profitably happy and happily, happily profitable. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always happily profitable. So I'm intrigued. Now, listeners, our listeners can't see you, but you've got this fabulous hat on, <laughs> Dr. Pelle. Tell me about your hat. Well, you know, I have to tell you that the hat has something to do with music. And I know Kent talked about my music mm-hmm. earlier. I grew up in a town called Minneapolis Uh, back uh, in the 80s and 90s. Minneapolis was the center of music. It was built around Prince. It was built around bands like The Time and Maserati and Alexander O'Neill. And um, I showed up there as this, you know, young kid from Africa with just one guitar. And I got into the music scene and um, I did my very best in that scene. I ended up working with the guy who wrote Funky Town, won't you take me to Funky Town? Steven, Steven Greenberg, I was worked in his studio. I ultimately produced a guy called Alexander O'Neill, one of the top R&B crooners from Minneapolis. And everyone in Minneapolis wears a hat. That's the thing you do. Um, the Minneapolis music scene was all about cool. It was all about funky. It was all about talent. So I learned that. And so I've adopted the, the hat as my my own thing, even now that I've moved far beyond uh, music. Right. Oh, that's cool because the, the hat is super cool. It works. Um, I love the backstory. <laughs> Thank it's you. awesome. Minneapolis, Minneapolis has been in the news lately, I've heard. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, the 
Black Lives Matter movement centers right in Minnesota, which actually I grew up uh, mostly in Minnesota, in St. Paul, sort of the enemy city. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> the other half of the Twin Cities. But what a strange place to be the center of a strange place, and yet the perfect place to be the center of a movement to really uh, reach out and 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 speak, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I no longer live in Minneapolis. Uh, my family and I moved here. I, I've been in Minneapolis since the 80s. So I'm, I go back 30 plus years. But um, I now live in Austin, Texas, which is another music uh, city. This one's called the music capital of the world, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's my stomping ground. I'm also in Austin. Are you in Austin, Randy? That's I, cool. I am indeed, yeah. That's cool. We're going to have to do coffee when COVID is over. But um, Kent, yeah. to Kent um, I'll have coffee anytime. Yeah, yeah. But Kent, to, to answer your question, you know, Minneapolis is uh, is actually a very interesting place. It, it has a little saying, people call people from Minnesota, Minnesota nice. You've probably heard of Minnesota nice. And that is, yeah. we can smile with you. Hey, how you doing? How's everything going? <laughs> and yet we might not like you very much. And so what's really happened in Minneapolis is that the lid came off and mm-hmm. everything exploded. People were just seeing things as they were, saying things as they felt them. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, this country, this world has a tribalism problem. I never call it racism, by the way, because I come from a place where black people treat black people pretty bad. And it's like, well, this isn't racism. What is it? It's tribalism. I believe all of these things are human problems. We should never point fingers at black people or white people because we're all capable of good and we're capable of bad. I love the concept of tribalism. So now that you're in Austin, yep. where's your tribe? <laughs> well, you know, I, I moved on from uh, the music scene. I moved into um, learning and development. I got my PhD in organization and management. And now my focus, the focus of my work is actually in marketing and you know sales, online marketing and sales using a tool that I call Velocity Jam. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wrote a book called Social Velocity. I think Kent mentioned he, he was... Uh, uh, it was enjoying the review I got from Seth Godin. Uh, Seth Godin reviewed my book, Social Velocity. And so if, if I were to describe my tribe, my current tribe, I would have to say it is a, a tribe of authors, uh, speakers, business development folks who, who use LinkedIn to share content that is helpful. And that's what my, my software and my book uh, help you do. It helps you get what we call social velocity, where your your content moves and helps you build clients. And it, it feels like um, more than ever before, that group is a lonely and isolated bunch. <laughs> you mean authors? I think there's a yeah, lot of us. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's a bestseller now. You know that, right? Well, there's that too. Yeah. Well, and, and you, so the first person I, I heard talk beautifully about publishing in the new paradigm is Seth Godin with mm. his projects. And you had him write a blurb for your book. I'm curious how that came about. Have you done some of his workshops or do you know him personally or what's, where does that come from? I do not know him personally. Um, however, he was on my podcast and during my podcast or after my podcast, which, by the way, is called Profitable Happiness, if you remember from the first answer I gave on your show here. 
during my podcast, uh, I asked him if he would take a look at my book, Social Velocity, because my book is actually very much a continuation of his book, which is which was called Permission Marketing. Um, he, he wrote a book talking about the, the evils of interruption marketing. You know, you're watching TV yep. and, and, you know, people just spam you with advertising. Well, he proposed permission marketing and the whole world adopted it. But now there's too much permission marketing. There's spam inside the permission marketing because, you know, you give someone your email and before you know it, they've got 50 messages, you know, that they're sending. Right? Or on Facebook now where it says, or not Facebook, on iPhones and so on, where it says, do you know that Facebook is accessing all your data? Is that okay with you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So I've, I've, I've proposed in this book, Social Velocity, the next thing which really is all about stepping off of what I call the speed hamster wheel, where you're going fast and trying to close deals all the time and focusing instead on building velocity, which is movement, making people come to you, becoming a magnet by being helpful to people. And so instead of spamming people, you're now focused on helping them on social media. So he, he liked the book and, and he reviewed it and wrote a very nice blurb, which is at the very top of the book on the front page. <laughs> you can't beat that. You can't beat that. So you're you are like, you know, within seconds, it's obvious to almost anyone on the planet. I'm sure that you're infectious and in a wonderful way and, and passionate. And I love that you went the direction of management and helping the world become a a happier and, and more profitable place. Brilliant. Beautiful. I'm really curious about a couple of things. One is, and they're kind of they're kind of bookends. Uh, one bookend is really want to know pre-Minneapolis, where you came from, who you are. And I'd really love to know on the other sort of frame, what your business model is, where you're going next, how you're gonna, you know, really move the world. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I'll tell you one thing. I was um, born in a refugee camp during the Nigeria-Biafra War. So if you go back wow. into the 60s, uh, just imagine bombs falling in Africa. In fact, this was the first time the world had seen so many millions of you know children dying of Kwashiorkor and, you know, there's death everywhere. And I was one of those little kids in black and white pictures, you know, that I'm one of those who survived. And the reason I survived that war is very, very amazing to me till today. What happened is that in the absence of food, money, in the presence of fear of dying every day, my mother did the most amazing thing. She sang to me. She would simply sing to me. She would take my name and put it in songs. And, and she would make songs about food. She would make songs about survival. And what I didn't realize is that she did a couple of things to me. The first thing she did was those songs made me happy. And that's when I discovered that happiness can actually drive away fear and it can drive away hunger and all these terrible things. Happiness comes before success. And so that set me on a whole journey toward happiness. And that's why I, I talk about profitable happiness today. And the second thing is she used music to divert my attention from the fear. And that is what content marketing is all about. Content marketing is really about using education, entertainment, anything to help people feel differently about what's you know being sold to them. In short, they're not selling you, they're keeping you engaged. And, and, you know, content marketing is so important because today everybody's afraid of sales. Nobody wants to be sold to. But if you just 
tune into my channel and you learn about things and you're entertained, we create a relationship and that relationship takes us forward. So that's what brought me here. Now, your second question is my business model. Well, you've also heard my business model. You know, I help people create content that they can use on LinkedIn to grow their businesses because content marketing, you know, look, I got to tell you, if you're driving in a car and you got kids in the back and they're shouting, hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're like on a long trip and you just don't know how to get these kids to keep quiet. You know what you need to do to them? Content marketing. (laughs) Because if you sing them a song or tell them a story or involve them in a game, everything goes away. They, they, They are focused on that good stuff. And all the bad stuff of never arriving at the destination is gone. And that's the magic of content marketing. So I built software and wrote a book. Social Velocity is the book. And Velocity Jam is the software that helps people get out into social media, tell their stories. I call it Free Your Story. Free the Story. That's my handle. Free the Story. If people could tell their stories more, share their realities on content marketing, through content marketing on social media, they will achieve their business goals that much faster. So, Dr. Pelle, I'm, I'm now very intrigued. <laughs> Your journey from the war-torn, famine lands of Biafra, Nigeria, to the music scene in Minneapolis, to the music and software scene in Austin, Texas, where you currently are, it has been a, a crazy journey for you. But now I want to look into the future and what does all this mean in terms of your legacy? What do you hope to leave behind? I hope that someday when someone is talking about uh, happiness, they'll talk about the guy who was always talking about profitable happiness, that there is actually a rule for happiness and profit and we shouldn't keep them separated. I also hope that someone will see that music is so powerful The language of music is so powerful that it can take a young child from a a war-torn, you know, uh, zone, if you will, all the way to the heights of America to produce and have billboard charting records with someone like Alexander O'Neill, people in the Prince camp, Maserati, you know, I'm just some kid, but that was possible because of the power and the unifying um, ability of music. Um, software is my passion also because I believe in building things that help people. And so I hope that all of these things come together. It it really all goes back to my mother and my father who helped me when I was young and they they put me together. If I were to look at your mom who was singing those songs in the, in the camp, uh, and I, I spent a, a good bit of time in the refugee camps in the Middle East. So I've Mm -hmm. seen something similar, not the same, not probably not nearly as bad, but the heartbreak, I understand the heartbreak and I I understand the power of music because I was using music with those groups. If you go back to that point and I I just run into your mom, just, I don't know. (laughs) And I say, describe, describe your son, this quirky little kid. Like what makes him different? What would she have said way back then? Wow. She'd probably say that I don't know. I don't know how to quit. And I don't know how to feel stupid or ashamed. I just keep going. Uh, I'm kind of an energizer <laughs> bunny. You know, um, Les Brown, one of my mentors, once said that even a broke clock is right twice a day. Okay. I'm that broke clock. Okay. I, I've set a course. 
I've decided I'm going to use these God-given gifts to do something for other people. And I really don't care when I get there or how I get there. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so I think that's what she's going to say. I'm an energizer bunny. I just keep going. <laughs> so from energizer bunnies to broken clocks, from famines to war-torn countries to Minneapolis music, you've You've done everything, man. And unfortunately, we've run out of time. Where can people find you? Best place to find me, uh, actually, it would be online, of course, LinkedIn. Just type in Dr. Pillay. Also, um, my website is drpillay.com. And then my, my business is Velocity Jam. So if you go to Velocity Jam, you get a free copy of my book. And actually, we are running a program where you can actually get a free a membership to Velocity Jam. It's limited features right now. So anybody who wants to use content marketing to explode their business on social media, check out Social Velocity and check out VelocityJam.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I realize, and as a as a closing thing, I, I realize because you, you you're Dr. Pele, and of course we all know Pele. Right. Yes. The, yes. So, so your whole life has been. I'm. I'm not the soccer player. I'm, I'm a musician. Yeah, I don't play <laughs> soccer. I play guitar. But I'm curious how they. Why were you named Pele? You know, back in uh, the in the Igbo culture uh, that I'm from, fathers name their sons as a pointer to the future that they seek for their sons. So back in the 60s, the greatest person on this planet was Pele in Nigeria. Because oh. that's, you know, he played mm -hmm. soccer. He even came, he did an really? exhibition match in Nigeria. I mean, he was a legend in Nigeria and all over the world, okay? And, and this is one thing that happened during that same Biafran war that I explained to you guys. When the bombs were falling, Pele said that he wanted to come and play that exhibition match in Nigeria, regardless of the war. And you can find this on the internet. Go to Time Magazine and different places. It's, this is his recorded history. The Nigerian government and the Biafran government that were killing each other yesterday decided to stop the war for two days, 48 hours, no killing, so that Pele could come in safely and play the exhibition match. That's how great he was. And so that happened, and my father said, um, okay, this is what I want for my son. I want my son to be great like that. And so he named me Pele. I'm not the only Nigerian named Pele. There are many others, but that's why it happened. Most of us got that name because our fathers were trying to bestow greatness upon us. Thank you so much, Dr. Pele. Really wonderful to chat with you. And we'll be in touch soon. That was a beautiful story to end with. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure right. to meet you guys. Yep. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. This has been such a wonderful conversation today. It was surprising, it was intriguing, it was interesting. And this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader podcast. And we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our, our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com. And at the top, you'll see a little button that says, take the assessment. In one minute, you can take the assessment and get a response from us. We'll read everyone. All right. Take care, have a good life, and we'll see you on the next one.